really exciting time as we uh, look to begin another renovation here on our building and expand our, our ministry opportunities. Thank you to those who have already given to that. And if you haven't, pray about uh, if God would have you participate in that ministry. I want to say a special thanks to those who helped us with our food box ministry. Uh, most of you know we partner with some civic organizations to get uh, boxes of food to under-resourced people in our community. Uh, yesterday we moved about 260, 265 boxes out of our warehouse and into homes that are food insecure right now over the holidays. If you help take barrels to school, if you helped pick up barrels from school, if you helped sort uh, canned goods, if you helped packed boxes, or certainly yesterday, if you helped us load boxes or deliver boxes, thank you so much. We could not do this without you, and uh, those civic organizations, community organizations in our area are very grateful for our church and the role that we play in this project. Uh, I, I don't know if you notice in your own life or just in the world that we live in, we tend to be a very uh, disposable society. We use things and throw them away. And we, we sort of expect things to break down. We say things like, nothing lasts forever, right? Or uh, if, you, if you get older, you start saying things like, they don't make those like they used to, right? That's one of, like the Geico commercial, that's one of the signs you're becoming your parents. Yeah, they don't make those like they used to. And then you tell a story about something that you've had for a long, long time that was made a long time ago, right? And, you, and you're probably right, right? You're probably right. Things aren't made as well as they used to, depending on what the product is. Uh, yeah, we say things like that, and we just expect that. We just expect things to break down. Uh, maybe you are like me, and this Christmas you went to decorate, and you had a strand of lights that worked perfectly last year. When you put them in the box, in the basement, and something happened. I do not know what happens in my basement over those 10 months, but something happens because I pull out the strand of lights that worked perfectly last year, and they don't work this year, or half of them don't work, or a third of them don't work, and they're just useless, right? I, I, I end up throwing them away because they used to work, and now they don't work, and, and we think nothing of it. Like, this is the way life is. Crazy thing is, when I go to get a new box of lights at the store, they give me this little bag. Like, have you seen this little bag? Yeah, they give me this little bag with like one, two, three, five bulbs and two fuses that you can barely see with the naked eye. I don't need this bag. Like, what, do they think I'm going to be able to find this bag a year from now? Do they think I know what to do with this bag? That's my problem, right? I don't know what to do with this bag. And, and if this is not the year that I'm going to suddenly open it and know what to do with these bulbs and then start trying to... It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. It's not ever going to happen, ever. And look, you don't need to come to me in the hallway after, me, after the service and explain how to use these bulbs. I don't care. I'm throwing them away. I'm going to get another one. And I know some of you are thinking, wow, Ken's really wasteful. I'm not the one giving extra bulbs that nobody's ever going to use, right? You tell me who's being wasteful. This is the way we operate. Like, stuff doesn't last. It breaks down. We throw it away. We have very low expectations for the way things will work. LED bulbs. LED bulb fan. I use them. Like, love them. I get the whole cost saving. Electricity. Totally on board. What shocks me is how they advertise LED bulbs, right? This bulb will last for nine years. 
And then you read the fine. Have you ever read the fine print? It says something like, we'll work for nine years as long as you use them three minutes a month. <laughs> like, that's not how we use bulbs. Nobody uses bulbs that way. I think the scale you're using is skewed. Can you give me something a little more realistic? Everything, everything breaks. Nothing lasts. Everything slows down. And, and if by chance you own something that has lasted, be honest, you tell everybody about it, don't you? I've had this for 30 years. That's another way you know you're becoming your parents. That I, this never breaks down. You tell everybody you know about this thing that didn't break down. By the way, the Camry has 395,000 miles on it. So just throw that in there. Yeah, the Camry is the exception that breaks that proves the rule, right? It's the exception that proves the rule because in general we don't expect things to last a long time. We just assume it's going to break unless we don't want it to break. You ever have those times when somebody gives you a gift and it's sort of what you wanted, but it's not exactly what you wanted, or you go to the store to buy something, and you, you don't find exactly what you wanted, but you find something sort of like you want, and you think, well, I'm going to use this until it breaks, and then I'll go get the one that I wanted. Life rule number 7,431, it won't break. <laughs> if you want it to break, it won't break. If you want it to last a long time, it won't last a long time. This is where our life is. Just disposable, just throwing, throwing away. Time is like this, like in a different way. Time is like this. Time is just always being spent. It's always being used. It's always passing by. Christmas reminds us of that because we're into the rush. We're going crazy, all of the chaos. And then we know it's just going to be over really fast. Right? All the wrapping paper will get thrown away and the leftovers will be eaten and the tree will come down. Everything will go back in the basement and it's New Year's and then it's tax season and it's Easter and it's summer and kids are going back to school. Like This is the way it is. We're just always moving through, always changing, always moving forward. Now, into that sort of world, we have a story about someone who never, ever changes, who actually lasts forever and ever and ever and ever. In this throwaway world, mess up world, get rid of it world, we celebrate a story of someone who is everlasting. Now, we, we've been, if you're new, we, we've been studying through Isaiah 9, 6, just really that one verse all this Christmas season, because in that verse, Isaiah says the Messiah that's going to come is going to be called certain things. He is going to have certain characteristics. I'm going to tell you about those characteristics by giving him certain names, right? And, and we've studied a couple of them. I'm going to read the verse again right up to what we're going to study today. Isaiah writes, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called. And here's the names. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, we studied those two, and then today, Everlasting Father. He's going to be called Everlasting because He is Everlasting. He didn't become Everlasting at some point. He is, always has been Everlasting. Jesus, the one who came at Christmas, did not begin at Christmas. We just like to remind ourselves of this uh, every year. He didn't start at Christmas. That wasn't day one 
for Jesus. See, his existence did not begin when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary. That wasn't day one for Jesus. Isaiah says, this one who is to come already is. That's what he's saying. The one that's going to come eventually out there, some, he already is. He already exists. He's everlasting. He is before time and after time, outside of time, the everlasting Father is to come. Now, the rest of the Bible confirms this. This is Genesis chapter 1. God creating the universe, and he says, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. God speaks in a plurality, and that plurality is the Trinity, what we call the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is active at the moment of creation, creating with God in Genesis chapter 1. The book of Hebrews confirms this. Right at the beginning of the book of Hebrews, Jesus is described as the one through whom also God made the universe. God created the universe through Jesus. Didn't start on Christmas Day. Didn't start in a manger. That wasn't the beginning of Jesus. Back at creation, Jesus was, and Jesus was active. John chapter 1. John begins his gospel with, In the beginning was the Word. And that was one of the names that John gives to Jesus. The Word, the, the, the original essence was the idea. The, the constantly speaking one. The one from whom all things came to be. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was in the beginning. He didn't have a beginning. He didn't start at the beginning. He was already in the beginning. He was already there. He already existed. Now, intellectually, mentally, this is difficult for us. Right? We have to admit, even those of us who have been believers for a long, long time, it's, it's difficult to literally conceive of forever going backwards and forever going forwards, eternally going backwards, eternally going forwards, because we live in, are constrained by time, but we serve a God who's not constrained by time. He's outside of time. He always has been. He is the original, uncreated creator. This is who God is. Sometimes we, we can sort of conceive of lasting a long time going forward, right? We buy something, we want it to last. We're in a relationship, we want it to last a really long time. Spiritually, we think of our lives forever, eternity, stepping into eternity. Sort of going forward is a little bit easier to think of, but the gospel, the, the Bible writers, Isaiah in particular says, no, he's, he's forever in all directions. He's everlasting he always has been, he always will be, has been and will be, probably don't even apply because he exists outside of time. He is forever and ever and ever, he is everlasting. Now, what does that mean then for us? I mean, it's true, it's true in our belief, theologically, that is absolutely true. What does it mean for us practically day to day and, and for one thing obviously it means that Jesus is a lot bigger than we can conceive of uh, we're, we're never going to figure him all out we're, ne we're never going to know all of the details of him we trust that this huge God who has always been and will always be this everlasting God is the one that we come 
to worship. But some specific things I think we could take away from this everlasting title. Here's one. Our lives and moment, I'm talking about the moment that we're alive, our lives and moment on this planet are valuable, but they tell only a small part of the overall story. Right? That's one of the things everlasting communicates. Your, your life's important. However many years you're on this planet, it's important, it's valuable. You're made in the image of God. He, he sees you. He cares about you. But we have to keep the right perspective of it is just a moment. Right? My, life, my life and your life is just a moment. It's just a small part of the story. We tend to see, this is understandable from a human perspective, we tend to see, view life, our perspective tends to be through the window of what's right in front of us, right? Through the window of now. We see now. We see what's happening currently. We, we see, in a little bit larger degree, what's happened over our life. We, we have a, a vantage point of living that allows us to see what's been happening because we are multi-generational at all times on the planet, then we have parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. So we know a little bit about what they experienced. So human history is just kind of this moving window of us seeing a very small slice of time. We don't understand everything that happened before. We don't really know everything that's going to happen after. But we view and interpret sometimes Everything that's happening by now, by right now. We have history books, and so we study the past. Right? We have artifacts and relics that we can talk about, but, but even history is an edited version, right? Many, many people have said history is written by the winners. Right? So there's a selected, edited history that you and I know, much of it true and, and factual probably, but we don't know everything that's happened in the past. We, we haven't explored everything that's happened in the past. We have some guesses about the future. We think some things are going to happen in the future, but a lot of times we're wrong about that. We don't have a very cl clear view of what's going to happen, right? The Jetsons were wrong. We don't have flying cars. Like we, don't, we don't always know actually what's going to happen. So we go through our life with this sort of limited window. And we see one part of the backyard, right? We see one part of what's outside of that window. And if we aren't careful, we will live as if this is the most important thing that has ever happened. And I get it, you know, for now, we're all alive, so, so it's pretty important. But sometimes we begin to elevate our experience as the most important experience. And we know important things happened in the past, but we get so fixated on this moment that we begin to think things like, well, this is the worst it's ever been. Right? This is the most critical. This is the most crucial. Right? This is the last straw. These are the last days. This is the biggest thing. It's never going to be. It always happens. All, all of those words of exaggeration that we tend to, to use because we see everything through this one little window, right? At the risk of uh, bringing up the election, I'm going to bring up the election. Um, you probably heard from our politicians that the 2022 election was the most important election in all of history. Second only to the 2020 election when we were told it was the most important election in all of history. Anybody want to guess what 2024 is going to be? The most important election in all of history. Right? 
Now, why did they do that? Well, number one, because they know fear motivates people. So, but it's also this outgrowth of right now is the most important thing. This, this, is, this is the most, it's never been more important. This is the biggest. Now, as, as followers of Christ, as people who believe the Christmas story, if you believe the Christmas story, as people who believe the Christmas story, we have a bigger window through which to see all things. Because we have a God who is everlasting, who reigns over all things, past, present, and future. He's not shocked. He's not anxious. He's not worried in this moment. He's not saying, oh, no. He is an everlasting Father who rules and reigns and is above all and sees all. That doesn't mean that your life's not important. That doesn't mean that your decisions aren't important. That doesn't mean that the things that we experience in our lifetime aren't important. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be involved. It it doesn't mean we should become complacent. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means if we serve the Christ who came at Christmas, then we have this huge perspective on everything that's happening. And we're okay with the idea that my life is this one little blip in this huge story that God's telling. And I'm going I'm to use it the best I can for His glory. I'm going I'm I'm to do what He's called me to do. I'm going I'm to step in to right wrongs and, and to bring justice where there's injustice and that there would be righteousness and that there would be peace in the world. I'm going I'm to do my part, but my part is just one little piece of an everlasting God working His will and His way in the world. That's a much bigger window, isn't it? It's a much bigger window than, oh, it's, it's only what's right in front of me. It's only the now. You see, Christmas is a great time to remind ourselves that we need to regularly push back from the imminent so that we can see the transcendent. We need, we need to push back from the, from the right now. This is the biggest thing. This is the crisis moment. This is the crucial thing. we got to step back from the imminent. It's coming right now. And realize the transcendent one is still over all this. The one who is from eternity past to eternity future, from everlasting to everlasting, that one I can still put my hope in. I can put my trust in. He's, he's the greatest of all things. He's the greatest of all beings. Muhammad Ali used to always say, I'm the greatest, right? I'm sounding like my parents again, talking about people that half of you don't know. But there was a boxer named Muhammad Ali. That was one of his deals. He always said he was the greatest. You and I, we may not verbalize it, but there is a greatest in all of our lives. There is a greatest. Something is greatest. Something is elevated to greatest status. In all of our lives. And for some of us, it's ourselves. Like Muhammad Ali, I'm the greatest. And if I am the greatest in my life, then my perspective, my focus, my window, my view, all comes through me. If current catastrophes or problems or things that give me anxiety, if that's the greatest in my life, if that's the thing I think about the most, then I define everything about my life through all of the problems that I see and the struggles that I see and the things I'm anxious about and what I fear. But if Jesus is truly the greatest, then I look at things differently. 
I trust in a deeper way. I have hope in a way that I can't have hope if everything depends on me. And Christmas is this season where we, we remind ourselves there is this big, wonderful, wide story that God brought to earth for our good and for our salvation. Live your life through that story. The everlasting one. It's easy for us, as they say, to lose the plot, right? It's easy for us when we see problems and, and trouble and when we get concerned about things or anxious about things. It's easy for us to lose the plot that God is at work. That God is not caught off guard or surprised or, or anxious or worried that, that He reigns and rules and will from everlasting to everlasting. Another thing this word everlasting teaches us. Because he is everlasting, he's seen my struggles before. Like whatever you're walking through, this is not to minimize anybody's struggles. Whatever you're walking through, Jesus isn't having to figure out how to deal with your current burdens. He's just not. If you ever have surgery, um, as, as they're wheeling you into the operating room just before they give you the anesthesia and put you under you don't want to hear the doctor say you know this is my first time doing this surgery <laughs> that's not the words you want to hear you don't you don't want him to say i've watched it several times pretty sure i got it double check some youtube videos last night i'm ready to go i think i got it you don't want to hear that from the doctor whatever you're walking through right now and it may be great grief for some of you, may be great brokenness, may be great loss, great tragedy, a number of things that, that anybody in here could be walking through greater than, than the grief maybe that I'm walking through or, or things that are in my life. You may be walking through a difficult time. Jesus, the everlasting one, is not in heaven going, oh, I'm not real sure how to deal with that one. Not, he's not doing that. Jesus isn't pulling up YouTube trying to figure out, oh, what should I say to this person? How can I help this person? Jesus is from everlasting to everlasting. And, and just the thousands of years of our existence, he's walked through hard times with people before you. And he loves you and he sees you. And I don't want to be misunderstood. And it's not like Jesus learned early on and now he knows what Jesus has always known. I'm just telling you, Jesus has walked through hard places long before you experienced your hard place. Jesus has come alongside people. He has held people. He has encouraged people. He has strengthened people for thousands and thousands of years. This, this is who he's been from everlasting to everlasting. It's not new to him. Your hurt and your brokenness didn't take him by surprise. He's not having to figure it all out. You, you can trust that the one who exists from everlasting to everlasting knows what you are experiencing and is there for you because not only is he the everlasting one, this transcendent one above everything, but that everlasting one that Isaiah talks about, the everlasting one cares about what's happening in your life. Right? I, I don't want to be misunderstood that, that it's all just going to work out. It's all fine. You know, don't worry about your life. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, this is the mystery and beauty of the Christmas story is this transcendent, great, 
powerful one came right into our world. The one who is everlasting put himself in time and space. Restricted, in some ways, his deity to humanity so that he was fully God and fully man at the same time in a way that we don't fully understand. He came into this world. He came into lives. And that transcendent one comes into our lives. He walks with us. He talks with us. He shares sorrow with us. He's not standing aloof. He's not standing back. He is in your life, walking with you. Another thing about our circumstances as it relates to everlasting. Our circumstances aren't everlasting. Jesus is everlasting. Our circumstances aren't everlasting. The, the struggles that we face and the burdens that we bear, they're not going to last for all eternity. They're just not. They may last a long while in this life, and I don't want to minimize that. I, I'm certainly not suggesting that we get over hard things in this life. I'm not saying time heals all wounds. That, that's not true. Like we carry broken places in our lives. Right? We walk with a limp sometimes because of what we have experienced in this life. But I can tell you, Isaiah never says, your burdens are everlasting. He says, Jesus is going to be everlasting. And there's going to be healing, and there's going to be hope, and there's going to be an eternity. What we experience in this life, it's hard to feel it sometimes. It's just a short little moment. It's just a brief walk. Till we step into eternity in the face of the everlasting one and we live forever in that space now Isaiah he doesn't say he's just everlasting he says the Messiah is going to be an everlasting father he's going to be an everlasting father Isaiah was not trying to confuse us on the Trinity if you're familiar with the Trinity and our belief we have father son Holy Spirit. Isaiah is not speaking about the Trinity. He's not giving Jesus a position, a title. He is God the Son who came in the flesh. But, but what Isaiah is doing is trying to tell us the characteristics of what this Messiah is going to be. This is what he's going to be like. He's going to be everlasting, but he's going to be like a father who loves us. And I know, you know, every time we use parenting imagery, that, that doesn't work for everybody. That analogy doesn't work for everybody. All of our earthly fathers were flawed, and some were very flawed. And, and if you're here today and, and your relationship was not, was not good with your earthly father, Isaiah's not trying to point you to your earthly father as a picture. He's trying to point you to your heavenly father, son, and Holy Spirit who will always act towards you the way the best father would act towards, the way the best mother would act towards you, the, the way the best parent would respond to you. Maybe not the one you had, but the most loving, encouraging, strong parent that you could have possibly had. That's how God, that's how Jesus is going to respond to you because a, a good parent cares and loves. A good parent comes alongside when we hurt and helps us heal. Comes to us when we're broken. And Isaiah said, Jesus is always going to be that to you. He's always going to be that to you. 
He's, going to, he's always going to be that one you can turn to because that's, that's what a good parent does. That's what an eternal parent does. Yeah, a, a good parent will come to you when, you're lo- when you've lost your way, right? When, when you need to be found, it is a good parent that will go and find you. When I was a teenager, there were times that um, I was way past curfew getting home. And when it was really past curfew, and this is how I knew I was really in trouble, my dad would get in his car and he would go try to find me. Um, I'm not sure it was always motivated by love. I think there were a lot of complicated emotions in that moment of, of what was driving that action. But he would, he would ride around town or wherever he thought I was and um, never found me. I, I always got back to the house and the car was gone and that's when I knew things were bad, <laughs> right? And, and we would have a conversation when he got home and you know lots of things were said. But always, this one phrase was always said somewhere during that conversation, and it was, you could have been dead in a ditch somewhere. Like anybody else's parent used the dead in a ditch line. That was my dad's line. Somewhere he was going to say, you could have been dead in a ditch somewhere, and I wouldn't know where you were. And I don't, I don't know why the ditch was important. It wasn't bad enough that I was dead, apparently. Dead in a ditch was the really bad part. We always have that conversation, right? But, but that was my dad wanting to find the one who wasn't home yet. Right? This, this is what Christmas is. That God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit knew that, that we were dead in a ditch spiritually, right? We were, we were dead in a ditch. Like our disobedience had separated us from our Father who came for us who came to this earth in flesh as Jesus the Messiah, even though he was the everlasting one. He submitted to the limitations of being in a human body so that he could bring us back home, so that he could not just be born at Christmas, but so that he could live and he could die and he could rise again so that all of our sin, all of our disobedience, if we put our trust in him, could be forgiven We could be reunited with him. We could spend forever and forever. We could be in the everlasting that is Jesus because of what he did for us. He came for you. He came for me. And and I know so many of you have responded to that. Your response to that has been to say, yes, I believe that. I trust Jesus. I was a sinner. I was disobedient. and, And I confess that to Jesus. And I believe he died and rose again for me and I put all of my hope in him and just like Jesus came to the manger that first Christmas when we trust him he comes into our life he comes to us we don't gain we don't we don't earn we don't deserve him he comes to us and if that's never happened for you boy this would this would be the time to do it This would be be the time to admit that you need the Savior in your life. You need Christ in your life. The everlasting one who loves you, knows you, has purpose planned for your life. This would be the day that you say, God, I've disobeyed you. I, I need the fact that Jesus died and rose again for me. I need you to come into my life 
and you just put your faith in him, he'll come into your life. He'll come into your life. And he'll stay forever. The everlasting father will stay forever and ever and give you eternity. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute? And I just want to talk to, to anyone maybe that's here and, and you haven't given your life over to Christ. Boy, he's calling you. He's drawing you. He loves you. He doesn't want you to try to manage this life by yourself. His love for you is so great. It's everlasting. It's eternal. He loves you so much. So much that he came and lived and died and rose again. He's drawing your heart this morning. And I would just encourage you, receive him. Give your life to him. Just tell him that you know that you've disobeyed and you need forgiveness and you believe that he died and rose again for you and you want him to come into your life and he will. He will be your savior forever and ever. Don't, don't keep putting it off. Don't wait for a better day. This is the day. Give your life to Christ. God, I pray that you would move in us. You would change us. You would speak to us. We, we have such a bad habit, God, of getting focused on what's right in front of us, being consumed by it, letting it be the first, the greatest in our life, just, just what's right in front, what's imminent. But you are the everlasting one, greater than all, above all. You see all. You are at work. God, let our hope rest in that. Let our trust rest in the Jesus that came at Christmas and reigns forever and ever and ever. And if there's anyone who hasn't given their life to that Jesus, to that everlasting Father, let them do it right now. Let them do it today. For I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.